0: Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark.
1: Superman's girlfriend, sorry, wife, returns. Dial S for Sakamiji. Last call for Silencer, the Super Sons, and the Female Furies. The World's Strangest Heroes are back. Balancing Black Hammer's scales and, what, me publish? This is how I got my way free comics for Sunday, July 7th, 2019. I'm Mark.
2: And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcast.com. Get the feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, and subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review.
1: You can email SF podcast Network at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737, that's 614-321-9SFP. Lois Lane number 1 of 12 by Rucka, Perkins, and Mounts. This is our first non-one-shot, or not related to an event, for our favorite Daily Planet reporter since a two-issue miniseries all the way back in 1986. Wow. We begin in Chicago, where Lois is now living. She went there to write her book, although that is now apparently on hold. Housekeeping comes into her hotel room and asks if the minibar should be restocked. The minibar, restocked, always and forever. But don't worry about cleaning the room. The girl makes a crack about the picture with her kissing Superman, which has become quite the piece of gossip. During all this, a TV news report puts out updates that would seem to fit our times easily. Lewis calls Perry and asks him to publish her latest story. He took away her publish button due to her lack of spelling skills. He confirms that she does have sources for all this, which of course she does.
2: He also tells her about a Russian correspondent who mysteriously committed suicide. She then meets with a mysterious figure, Full Woodward, a.k.a. in a parking garage, and gives them orders to retrieve copies of the Russians' notes. Back in the hotel room, and a rendezvous with Clark in the shower. Out on the street the next day, Clark hears hears someone call her slut under their breath, and Lois has to talk him down. He notes that no one is asking why Superman did it. Oh, hon, of course they don't say it about him. Him is a he. She's keeping something from him, like she did when she was out in the universe with jor and John, and she tells him that she has good reason to. Over in Moscow, our mysterious figure prevents a group from destroying the reporter's notes. It's the question, a.k.a. Renee Montoya. Over to the White House, where a Sarah Huckabee Sanders stand-in is grilled by Lois at a press conference. It's her story about private interests running... Tender care camps for child immigrants, and it gets her kicked out of the press conference, only for the rest of the press corps to continue the questioning. Rucker writes a good story, and the artwork is rather brooding.
1: Dial H for Hero number four from Wonder Comics by Humphreys, Quinones, and Gibson. We're now in Detroit at a Justice League museum. This is at Justice League Detroit's old headquarters.
2: I find it hard to believe they actually maintain that museum.
1: (laughs) Why not? Miguel and Summer are trying to contact Superman but are confronted with a bat robot instead. Just before they're attacked, a voice tells the robot to disengage. It's Snapper Carr, former Justice League mascot, uh, sorry, Sidekick. He runs the museum, which doesn't involve a lot of work since robot versions of the Justice League do all the heavy lifting. We see robot versions of Booster Gold, Vibe, Dr. Fate, Ice, Fire, Elongated Man, Black Canary, Superman, Firestorm, Zatanna, Girl, and Martian Manhunter. We also see costumes in glass display cases, one of which is clearly the Golden Age Green Lantern. I guess the Doomsday Clock is now taking effect. Snapper had his own failed reality show and is now stuck here. He is also well aware of the H-Dial and used it once. Meanwhile, the operator, a.k.a. Robbie Reed, is doing some internal monologuing providing exposition. He's stuck in the hero verse with the metaphysical potential of a million extraordinary beings. There's also the body of Mr. Thunderbolt in a glass tube. His soul? Well, he's at JLDHQ, entering the body of the super robot.
2: To finally hear with my own ears, know the joy of taking a deep breath, to eat a cheeseburger again. During all this, the kids explain their situation to Snapper Carr and ask him to call Superman. But it's not like Superman's on speed dial. Suddenly, the other robots, sensing a psychic attack, go after the humans, who all grab at the dial, and Summer turns into Chimp Change, a Sin City-esque lady gorilla detective. That would make a good match for the chimp detective. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm Snapper turns into Alien Ice Cream Man, which looks like something Jeff Lemire would come up with. And Miguel turns into Little Megalito, reminiscent of Captain Underpants. We get truncated origin stories, then back to the action. Hawk Robot says, Snappy battle blather buffering. Chimp chain starts blasting away. Alien Ice Cream Man threatens to warp time and space with his ice cream dream. Megalito keeps using the H dial to become pastiches of Hagar the Horrible. Schrader from Peanuts, Nancy, and Kathy. Then a voice tells him, if he truly wants to be powerful, he needs to dial S for Sakamagi. That brings together Mr. Thunderbolt's body and soul, who then quickly warps out, telling Miguel, this is all your fault. Miguel realizes he needs to fix things, so he follows Thunderbolt through the warp, leaving Summer and Snapper behind. This is just a crazy book. We also had a number of books finishing up.
1: The Silencer, number 18, by Marion, Abnett, Fluria, and Spicer. Basically, the last breath of Dark Knight's Metal.
2: I really like this book, but I'm glad to see the last of Dark Knight's Metal.
1: Yep. This series started with a promising premise. Can an assassin also have a regular home life? Honor Guest has a husband and small child, so she tries to get out of the assassin biz without any luck. This was the main storyline to start, but a few issues ago, everything blew apart. Honor tried to end things with the League of Assassins once and for all and wound up being declared dead to her family. In this final, clearly rushed issue, she comes back to her family with a ridiculous story and much of the issue involves her husband trying to come to grips about it. There's also a quick final mission and then the family is off to live in Ohio, but not before Deathstroke checks in. Things are clearly left open at the end, but I doubt we'll ever hear from Honor Guest again. The character always just seemed jammed into the the DCU as if she were created elsewhere. Yes.
2: Adventures of the Super Sons, number 12 of 12, by Tomasi Barberi, Santorinelli, and Proto Bunker. John and Damien are trapped in hypertime while little Lex makes plans to use the hypercube as a weapon. A digital being appears in front of the boys who is the spirit of the cube itself. We learn that the cube has existed throughout time, never knowing its purpose. We see shots of the Manhunters, Vandal Savage, Jonah Hex, and Manchester Black fighting soups and Bats. The cube finally makes it to the fortress, where it decides that it's ever going to have a purpose, it will create its own. It creates a reality, as well as the kid villains, quickly realizing that little Lex is now in control. Damien asks if he can bring back the puppeteer, since it created it, and so it does. They grab his interface, and Damien quickly builds a way to take control inside the cube. After a quick trial run, making Lil' Lex say, Pooper boy drools, Robin rules, I'm a dumb bald guy, he blasts them back to reality. There's yet another fight, and then the Super Sons give the cube something to keep it busy for a while, all their adventures and thoughts. The rest of the characters created by the cube find themselves returned, ready to populate the cube's next stories. It also transports the boys and the now-unconscious puppeteer back to the fortress. The boys drop off the bad guy in prison and plan to resume the Summer of Super, returning to Wayne Manor only to find it's now the first day of school. Cut to a future point with now-elderly John and Damien finishing telling the story to their grandkids who are mad that that's the end, and so are we. They say there is one more story, and it's a doozy. Let's hope we get to see it.
1: Female Furies number 6 of 6 by Castellucci, Mello, and Hi-Fi. The hashtag MeToo parable wraps up as the now liberated Furies take their case to the women of Apocalypse. Join us in our fight. They don't get much traction on this as the masses considered the Furies to be the 1% so why should everyone stick out their necks for them? Meanwhile, Granny goes to accept her new upgraded position only to learn some punk nephew will be her boss instead. Barda's new plan, see a beautiful Dreamer in the Dream Realm and ask her to help. Dreamer sympathizes, but can do nothing in the real world. They return to find that Granny has brought up new Furies to replace them, and the fight is on. Granny sees that things aren't going her way and decides to take out the new Furies and start over. New Furies are, t- are saved by current ones, and now they're united. Now, Granny goes to grab Glob and take on Darkseid himself- herself. Barda goes the Lysistrata route, declaring a sex strike, and every other kind, for all women. Apocalypse falls into chaos, and the men escape, leaving the world for the women. Glob and Darkseid face off, and Darkseid booms out. There's a big speech by Lashina, the new leader of Apocalypse, while Barda goes to Earth to be with Scott. I'm curious if any of this will ever be reflected in the larger DC continuity.
2: Probably not. Doom Patrol, Way to the World's number 1 from Young Animal by Way, Lambert, and Harvey. Gerard Way's trippy reinterpretation of the classic DC team returns for another run. Even for him, this issue is very confusing, taking the first half bringing us back up to speed on the huge number of characters involved. Cliff, now fully human, is dropped off by Casey in Danny the Ambulance to see his elderly mother. Larry adopts an emotional support dog. Jane finishes her mental treatment. Casey asks Danny for a new mission. Flex and Rita work out, but Rita keeps falling apart. Perhaps a visit to Destiny Beach would help. Lucius and Lotion skate around the magical kingdom. Then the team is called into the ambulance for a mission, a world where everyone is forced to constantly exercise and diet to meet the unrealistic body image of their god, Jude Law. It also, to avoid becoming their natural selves, blue spheres. After some investigation, Lucius, with the team's help, is able to pull their true god from a dimensional prison. Turns out the false god is just a character mascot for a fitness company and its priest is shyster, scamming the planet to help pay for his classic vinyl collection. Meanwhile, Cliff finds his mother, who rudely disowns him, telling him his father died of a stroke years ago. Of course you don't know. You were too busy running around pretending to save the world, you and your freak friends. You're just a sad flesh bag, just like the rest of us now, just a rotting husk waiting to expire. Cliff's response is to leave, hearing those words in his mind as he drives off a cliff. Guess who's getting a new robot body? Black
1: Hammer Age of Doom number 11 from Dark Horse by Lemire, Ormston, Stewart, and Klein. Lucy's now with her father in the Parazone. He can't leave, but at least they can be together again there. He tells her she is the only one that can stop the Anti-God. An Odin-like being comes in and tells her how. Her friends have to die. Apparently, bringing them back has thrown off the balance of good and evil, hence the return of Anti-God. Meanwhile, our team is on Colonel Weird's ship on their way back to Earth. Abe confronts Weird about what he and Dragonfly did, but Weird continues to say it was just to bring them peace. Their next step, find Dragonfly. Find her? Oh no, Barbie, I'm not just going to find her. I'm going to kill her. Back to the Hammers, where Lucy isn't sure she can kill her friends, and Dad says, who said anything about killing? So they have to die, but they won't be killed.
2: Earth is panicking with all the orange skies as the anti-god continues to coalesce. Abe tells the others that, with or without Hammer and Dragonfly, they will make their last stand. Cut to a suburban home, where a mom is getting her kids ready for school. Dad's working late, so she'll have to take them to soccer practice. The woman is Dragonfly, still living her false life. She returns after dropping off the kids at school, only to find the team in her living room. Hey, bitch, nice house! From the letter column, I think this is the next-to-last issue, but more Black Hammer is on the way.
1: Sad news came in this week. Mad Magazine is essentially canceled, another victim of the newsstand purge. The title began as a comic book in 1952, then quickly reformatted as a magazine in order to avoid the Comics Code Authority. Since then, Mad informed generations of kids about current events and media via satire, and spawned an industry of knockoffs. Cracked, sick, crazy, nuts, eh? Recurring bits, Spy vs. Spy, The Lighter Side Of, TV and movie parodies, which I adored, and the back page fold-in, all done by artist Al Jaffe since 1964. The magazine's publishing schedule had become sporadic in the last decade and was rebooted with a new number one just last year. This also coincided with a physical move from New York to L.A. as part of a consolidation by Warner Brothers slash D.C., Keep in mind, much of their senior contributors, and I mean senior, were New York-based and had no interest in moving. By the end of this year, MAD will only do reprint material of their 550-issue history, along with a new annual review, and no longer available at the newsstand. Somewhere, I have a CD-ROM set of all MAD issues through 1998, which I doubt still works. All right, before we get out of here, it's time to play America's Fastest Growing New Game Show.
2: Who's on the cover of Entertainment Weekly? Are you ready, Mark? I'm ready. Okay, I'm pushing the button.
1: TV-related?
2: Uh, no.
1: Movie-related? Yes. Uh, is it an upcoming movie? Yes. Um, is it a genre-based movie?
2: Um, well, no.
1: Okay, is it a comedy?
2: Um, no.
1: Is it Is it a drama? No. Is it a documentary?
2: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hard to zero in here. Um, so it's a.
2: It all right. It, we'll say it is a genre movie.
1: Okay, uh, but it's not an obvious genre. Yes. Okay. Well, oh, so that doesn't help me. Um, let's see. Um, is there one person on the cover? No. Two. No. Three. Yes. Three people. A Rema- two man and a woman. No. Uh, all women? No. All men? All men. <laughs> okay. So, um, are they under thirty? No. Are they under forty?
2: Um, I think probably. Okay,
1: and this is an upcoming movie that um, is. In, I'm guessing it's planned to be some blockbuster. Yes. Okay. Is it based on a book?
2: No. <laughs> Jeez.
1: Ah, it's not that three guys in their 30s, is it, uh, is it historical? They
2: could be in their 40s. Okay. And it's definitely not historical. Oh,
1: rats. No luck So it's, is it based in current times? Uh, yes. Okay. Current times...
2: I'll give you a hint. It's part of a franchise.
1: Part of a franchise. So it's or oh, in the middle of a franchise? Eh, yeah. Okay. It's not the beginning of a franchise. That's
2: correct. No. No. It's it, part of a very no. existing franchise.
1: Yeah. Um, so it's not like related to Harry Potter. or No. Anything. Okay. No. But it's part of a franchise. It's not based on a book. Uh, is it based on another movie?
2: Well, yeah. It's okay. part of a franchise.
1: Okay. But it, the, the franchise is, is its own original. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, I would never get anywhere near that.
2: <laughs> it's Hobbs and Shaw ah. based in the Fast and oh, Furious. Oh, the Fast and
1: Furious. Oh, yeah. yikes.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't know if you'd get that. <laughs> I, so. And I didn't. And I don't know. I should have looked up how old Dwayne The Rock oh, Johnson is. I, that wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> or Idris Elba.
1: I had to think for a minute. Hobson. Oh, yeah. That stupid Fast and Furious <laughs> We've <thing>. only
2: <laughs> seen the preview yeah, for it 90 exactly. times. Exactly.
1: And I had to re- try to th- th- Hobson. Sh- what? <laughs> oh, well. Okay. Announcer Bot. How can the folks find us online?
0: Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614 321 That's 614 321 sfp Back to you, Mark.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye -bye. Bye-bye.